Welcome to the Luge Rugby Podcast with your hosts, Derek Brissett and Dan Murphy. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this episode of Luge Rugby. We're going to get right into it, Derek, and uh, we have lots to talk about because we were just talking about this. There was a ton of rugby content, ton of rugby to watch over the weekend. It was a little intimidating. Oh yeah, yeah. There was uh, this is going to be an action action packed, super filled, dense episode. I think uh, we're probably going to touch on every single code known to man here. <laughs> um, so uh, it should be a big one, man. I don't. Uh, whoever in the world rugby in the world of rugby on both in both codes decided let's start every tournament on the same weekend. Both, uh, both a bit of a blessing and a curse because there's a lot to go through. But uh, it was a fun man. It's it's nice to just wake up at like 8 a.m. and you can just turn on rugby. And you don't have to turn it off until you go to bed at like midnight. Or you can just stay up and watch Super Rugby and not sleep for 48 hours. So that's that's your other option too. Um, and I, but also, I most importantly, round one of Major League Rugby. And it's so starting this it's this here. week. It's here. And, you know, I don't know if our American listeners or anyone overseas is uh, as lucky as we are, but uh, we have a couple different options in terms of streaming, which we can watch games uh, after the fact, you know, not always on demand. So that's nice, especially with Super Rugby uh, and in, with the Six Nations as well. If you've got other things that you're watching, we're able to kind of watch it as we go. And uh, with, a, with an almost two-year-old daughter, that is almost a necessity <laughs> for myself. So... It was uh, quite awesome. a lifesaver, that's for sure. I still think, though, having the Jaguars is great. Just get that. That's a nice time zone to watch elite level rugby. And I enjoy rugby starting at six o'clock on a Saturday night. That's that's very nice. Also, they killed the Lions, so that was good too. Yeah. See, my problem with Super Rugby is I see how nice and warm it is in most of these places, and I get a little jealous. That's why I tend to, to yeah. steer towards the northern hemisphere because I'm like. Well, it's snowing here, but hey, at least it's not raining, you know, everything yeah. that England has. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's, it is, it's, I guess, uh, you know, it's the difference between kind of the winter in the northern hemisphere and the summer in the southern hemisphere. So there's probably, uh, but yeah, I get, I see the point, though. That's part of the fun of watching rugby, though. You get to kind of see different parts of the world, different cultures, bring in some cool stuff to the game and things like That's that. That's true. And, you know, uh, it, there was lots of rugby in the Southern Hemisphere, especially in Sydney. Uh, they had the Sydney Sevens tournament for both the men and the women. At certain points, Derek, it was 45 degrees Celsius in yeah, Sydney. That's, that's hot. That's, that is egregious. That is horrible. And you know what? We still saw lots of good rugby. Uh, I was watching one of the women's games, and they had France playing, and they had toques with ice in them, and they put them on their heads during halftime. Uh, it started, they, they were it getting started creative. pouring at one point too. Yeah, there's some really cool pictures of like just the rain like kind of pouring down on it. So, and yeah, and the Canada women had a, had a, another solid tournament. You know, another podium finish, losing to New Zealand again in the final. Uh, Derek, can anyone beat this New Zealand team, the Black Ferns? Um, um, hmm. I'm gonna, like I mean, I, I'm hopeful that Canada can figure out this puzzle, but um, right now it's uh, it's really really not looking like it. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of interesting to kind of watch the Canadian women's team and they 
you know, they're so, so successful against most of the other teams in the competition. And then they get to like, and then like the past two weeks in a row, um, they get to that gold medal game with New Zealand and it just kind of like New Zealand kills them. Um, it's, there's not, I don't, I don't know like what to, what to even do about it. Like watching that, that final, I didn't even think Canada necessarily played bad. It was just that New Zealand is so much better than everybody. Just on another level. Um, especially, like, there was that, that one try, too, that I was just like, I don't even... Um, when uh, Gail Broughton kind of was, like, surrounded by, like, four Canadians and was doing that sevens thing where you kind of, like, do that little shuffle step to kind of go backwards and try to hope that there's a hole open up. And all she did was, like, a little head fake, and all of a sudden she's 10 meters behind the Canadian defensive line. And it was just like, I don't even know how that happened. Um uh, but it just kind of shows like the skill that they have. Um, there was a lot of, you know, they, they even stay like the uh, Black Ferns kind of were dropping some like behind the back passes at the end of the game and stuff too. And it's, you know, it just opens up the scoreline. But I don't think by, like, I don't think you can watch that game and think that Canada necessarily played bad. I think it's just, you know, you look at uh, some of the scorelines that New Zealand beats all the other teams by and it's just, right. you know, they're just, they're number one in the world for a reason. And, it's it's showing right now, and you know what? I I, I kind of set up the question as, you know, Canada didn't perform as well, and and they did. I mean, we had two two of our players on the dream team, uh, Karen yeah. Paquin with the forwards and and Callie uh, Lucan with the backs. You know, they they Canada is doing almost everything they they need to do to perform, and what what i'm really thinking is that this is priming them up for for the olympics at the end of the year and that's what everyone's got to remember um you know it's it'd be great if they won the circuit this year but really the end goal is these olympics and you know i i think that they've got a strong case to to make the podium especially being that gold medal game derek what are your expectations for these women going into this olympic year i mean we've already got two events in 2020 and Canada is meddled in both of them. You know, what do we, what do you expect for, for Tokyo? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, going back to Rio, they took home a bronze there. Um, you know, the team team's only gotten better since then. Some of the players, obviously there's a handful of players that are still on the team from there. They've only gotten better um, as time's moved on here. And uh, I think, I think if you're kind of looking ahead to, uh, to the Tokyo Olympics, it's, you know, if you see the way Canada has played, um, then yeah, definitely a podium finish should like any if they don't get a podium finish, they'll probably be extremely disappointed. And um, yeah, I think a gold medal is definitely an attainable goal. Um, it's like you said, it's like you basically from the last uh, two weeks, the, it would be a silver medal. I'm sure the uh, Olympics are going to have a quarterfinals, though, so that'll be hopefully, another hopefully. A different hurdle to go through. But you know, like a like a normal tournament. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, so I think, but I think ultimately, even if there's a quarterfinal, quarterfinal, no quarterfinal, you can even you know do a couple of the you know March Madness styles, add a couple other rounds to it. Uh, I still think Canada would be able to attain a gold medal regardless of what that format is. Looking like right now, though, just got to figure out a way to crack New Zealand. And you know what? We've probably asked this question a few. I've asked Derek this question a few times on this podcast during the seven series, and we're, I'm going to continue to ask it because perception changes, and uh, you know, players get hurt, and I think what we're probably going to start seeing is 
as the season goes along, is they're going to probably play some younger players like they have been. You know, given people like Bianca Ferrella, Karen Paquin, and Jizlyn uh, Landry time to rest, you know, keep their bodies fresh and keep, you know, the fitness level up. But at the same time, give these young young girls a chance to play and, and show what they've got. You know, this is this is the time to do it. And uh, I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. Um, now, on the men's side of it, their tournament wasn't as great as uh, what we would have hoped, especially seeing what they did last last weekend. Um, they faltered in the pool stage, falling to one and two. And I think the big game that disappointed me, Derek, was against Spain. And it, Canada has this, this, the men's team has this weird relationship with Spain where they could be playing on fire and, and sometimes Spain comes in and, and they, they drop a game against them. And it seems to be just this odd relationship that developed. And if they would have won that game, they would have been maybe in contention for that five six game and continue to play a little bit more but i like how you got to say the five six game instead of the quarterfinals i can't say the quarterfinals because world rugby is goofy crazy goofy yeah that's a great yeah. way to describe it and you know it's funny i liked what i saw from them especially in the first half against england before they kind of faltered in the second half i like what they what they did against ireland and it's just that one game and it's it's frustrating because i know that they've got a ton of really strong talent Okay, so like you said, there was a ton of rugby this weekend. So I actually missed the game that they played against Spain. So what, like, what exactly frustrated you about it? Well, and it's 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 little mistakes. It's it's not uh, uh, releasing the ball when when uh, when they've been tackled. It's it's being off. There's a couple offside calls and yellow cards and throughout the tournament and. And, and ball handling errors and and blown defensive coverage. So it just seems to be all these little things that eat away and at their confidence, and then they lay a giant goose egg on the field. So and it's not it's not new. Like this is this is like prototypical Canadian rugby, especially during this you know this young this young team with the sevens program. It just seems to always kind of peer up. And what frustrates me the most is we saw how well they played the week last weekend. And I'm like, that that's what we want. That's what you sh- that's what you can do. Like let's let's look at that tournament and go, yeah, that's that's the standard that you guys should put on. But maybe I'm just a grumpy guy yelling at a screen. <laughs> well, I mean that's the whole point of having a podcast is you get to be a grumpy guy and yell at a screen. Um, <laughs> so that's literally the entire point of this medium. Um but yeah, I mean, it's it's you know it's one of those things where it's, you know sometimes you watch Team Canada play and you think that uh, you know they can be a lot better, but then it's just the execution just isn't necessarily there all the time. Yeah, yeah, and and that's the thing is I I, I can't I gotta have a like quick memory. I need to be like a goldfish because they will they you know they're they're in it again in another month. They get a little bit of a break and then they're in Los Angeles. You know, the men, uh, and then 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 they're in Vancouver, you know, home territory. So a couple big tournaments for them to kind of creep back up and build some confidence yeah. in themselves. So with less travel, too. With, with less travel as well. I mean, Los, Los Angeles is, is still a warmer climate, but it, it's a lot more familiar to some of these guys. And, you know, maybe maybe a little bit better of a showing for some home, uh, some fans from Canada might boost their confidence a little bit. And you never know what could happen. But 
um, history was made over the weekend. And uh, it wasn't in sevens and it wasn't in union. It was in league. The Toronto Wolfpack had their first Super League game. And unfortunately, it didn't come out the way they wanted. Um, losing to the Tigers. Um, now, Derek, my first question about this game, because uh, you wrote a really good article about the recap of the game um, with Lehman Sports, uh, kind of laying out what happened in that game. But uh, who stood out in that game for you? Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, the player that stood out the most to me was Hakeem Mouloubi, um and, you know, the French international. And uh, basically he stood out because he was kind of involved in a lot of the, the plays that eventually, you know, resulted in tries uh, for the uh, the Toronto Wolfpack. Um, especially, you know, his interception, his interception play was obviously, you know, the highlight of the match for him. Um, and, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like, I think there's a couple of guys that played, like I thought, K K played pretty de- uh, pretty decently. I thought Meller had an R eight game, but there was a there was kind of just a lot of like overall um, out outside of Maludi, um, there wasn't a whole lot of guys that really seemed to rise to the occasion and sort of you know step up their game with the arrival of Super League. Um, so it was, I thought, uh, yeah, like. You know, Maludi was the guy that created both the tries. He had the, the great uh, the great grubber kick to, you know, send uh, Liam K away into the uh, into the end goal. There just had the, Liam K essentially just had to ground the ball once it got there, yeah. and then he had his interception um, that he ran back a good like seventy or so meters. Um, so that was another really nice play. But um, aside from that, like there's uh, you could probably. So we could probably, I mean, even Maludi, we can start nitpicking some of his plays too. Yeah, um, especially that, especially that penalty-filled, like casual stroll that Castleford got to have up the field at that one point. But um, so, I think like that's definitely going to have to be something that they uh, they work out on. And Maludi was was uh, the the top meter maker at round one won the Super League, yeah. one hundred ninety seven meters made. A try, a try an interception. Assist. Yeah, so, but still, he still made the interception and still ran and didn't trip because that's probably what I would have done. And uh, five, five tackles uh, broken, which I thought was, was yeah, a nice no, little stat. Yeah, kinda... He's the Wolfpacks. Um, he's easily the Wolfpacks man in the match in this one. He's, oh, yeah. Despite some other errors that arise, but. And I think that's, and you made a really good point in your article and, and, uh, Brissette the Jet on Twitter if you realize you want to get recaps from games and you're not able to watch it because you made a couple really good points that I think that uh, really kind of describe the game is the Wolfpack made mistakes that Castleford took advantage of and and, and this level league you, you can't do that you can't make those mistakes and I think that's something that the Wolfpack are going to realize quickly I think that they started the game off with some pace, and 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 they 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 really uh, pushed Castleford to make make the tackles and to spread out. But when you when you play an ex- and you wrote about this in your article, when you play an expansive game of rugby, you've got to make sure you tighten up those mistakes. Yeah, exactly. Like I think, like I mean, if you were kind of looking at the Wolfpack game, like the two biggest downfalls in this game was just the execution and the discipline of the players which you know there was a lot of plays i felt like um that first castleford try at the 90 the 90 meter run back from uh eden um yeah that was essentially just like okay like 
your pass was nowhere close to the guy, but like in uh in you know in League One or the championship, you could maybe get away with that because a guy like Liam K was faster than everybody else in the competition, so we can run guys down. Um, you know, in the event that you did that, you can maybe still prevent that try. Same with a lot of the other players on the Wolfpack, right? Like they've been coming from playing like realistically, especially the season in League One, they're playing below their level, right? Like yes. I you know I tried to, you know, explain to some friends, you know, when the Wolfpack first showed up, it'd be like it's like putting it's like if the when the Golden Knights showed up to the NHL, the NHL was like, Yeah, you guys are starting in the ECHL first. Right? It's like yeah. there's there's a gap, right? Like there's all the players are all a lot better, but now that they got up to Super League, that gap's gone. Guys like you know Liam K, like you're not the fastest guy on the field anymore. No, because um, Greg, because uh, Greg Eden's about to pick up this ball and just turn on Book the afterburners, it. and yeah. you are going to come nowhere near catching them. Um, which is going to happen now if you miss a pass. That's what you know. You miss a pass, you have a knock-on ball goes to deck in any way. It's like the 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 other guys now have the pace to make up for that. Um, the other, the other play that the other one that really stood out was uh, uh, Michael Shenton's try um, in the 35th minute, where after the Wolfpack already gave up a try, um, they gave up a penalty on the first tackle um, with uh, I believe it was Gadwin Springer that drew that penalty. Yeah, Castleford just kicked kicked it down the field for the field position. They got up. The next tackle was Maludi taking another penalty, and they just marched. They essentially just walked um, 70 meters up the pitch and then you gave them like, you know, a fresh tackle set from, you know, really close range. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things, too, that it's like in the championship in League One, maybe you get away with that because you're better than everybody else by a mile. And you could, you know, you could probably stop that. But it was like, you know, you give Super League teams like free 70 meters they are going to make you pay for it. Um and, uh, you know, the Wolfpack have always had discipline issues. And, um, you know, it's really, um, it really, if if they keep playing like this, it's like they're going to get burned more often than not because, you know, now their their talent is no longer good enough to make up for it. And you just got to dig in your heels at that point and start uh, fixing it up. And I'm sure that, you know, again, like we said about that seventh tournament is is the best thing about rugby is we have a game next week to, fix all those things and start over again. Now, the Wolfpack have done a lot on the pitch, and they've also done a lot off the pitch. What are our expectations for this team? Because now that they're in this Super League, we really don't have a baseline of what they're going to do. And then, and my other question is, what are, what are our expectations from the business side of the Wolfpack? What do you want to see, Derek, from this team in, in 2020? Uh, get all the lawsuits dealt with. <laughs> we can start with that one, or, yeah. Uh, we, or we we can just address that, or uh, we can we can keep the podcast positive and just talk about on the field for a bit. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's there's stuff that has to be done off the field. But um, anyways, um, I mean, like on the like, I think on the pitch, you know, like one of the tough things that they definitely are dealing with right now is their roster is very thin. Um, if they get hurt, they get hurt. It's gonna be it's gonna be a long long season. Long year guys are out. Yeah. Uh, I think honestly, like I think it's the same thing as the Wolfpack's goal to me is this on the pitch, anyways, is the exact same thing that every team that has ever been promoted in a league that has promotion and relegation yeah. is don't get relegated. That's that's your goal. Like that's all you gotta do this year. 
Um, yeah, you've made it. Like, yeah, it's just don't get relegated. Um, and like that's you're on the pitch. Uh, that's your off the pitch. It would be interesting. I thought you know one of the, the storylines that kind of follows and obviously be Sonny Bill Williams. Um, did not have a great game to uh, get started here. His first touch was a knock on. Had a couple other knock ons throughout the game too. Um, didn't have a huge impact um, on the game overall, despite playing. I think he played like 55, 60 minutes, something like that, off the top of my head. Um, and uh, so, you know, that's going to be something. It's like obviously, you know, the league and union have some similar traits as far as your skill set and stuff goes. But at the end of the day, it is a different game and it takes a while to adjust to. And, you know, Sonny Bill hasn't played a game of league in about five years. Um, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, how long it takes him to really... Because I think if the if the Wolfpack are going to be good, or, like, are going to maybe be, like, we're maybe not even thinking about their relegation and stuff, but they're going to probably need Sonny Bill to be kind of firing here. And um, Yeah. Yeah, and, and they're... And, uh, you know, that's gonna be what they need and it's like right now he's he's not definitely not at that point so it's uh it'll be interesting to see how long it takes him to kind of get you know up to speed on the league because he he looked and like i'm not overly surprised yeah exactly i'm not overly surprised by it but yeah he didn't he didn't look quite up to super league speed here so um that'll it'll be something it's something to keep an eye on for sure and you know what? I, I think one of the things is, and this is my personal opinion, is that in rugby league, there's a lot more um, time to just have to be sporadic. I mean, if you look at how the back lines are set up in, in union and it's so much of it is, is set plays and in league, there's a little bit more um, spontaneity. So I think that as, as a player who's been playing union the last, you know, five years, six years, or however long he's been playing since he last played for the Roosters, I think that that's going to take some time to get him adjusted to. Uh-huh. I'm not always going to be in at, you know, in the in the 12 or 13 spot. I need to be a little bit more fluid with how I'm playing. So it will be interesting to see you know, how long that yeah. takes him to adjust to the Wolfpack's set plays. The, the, the problem is, is like when you pay a guy more than the salary cap, his expectations are significantly higher. So... Um, that is true. That is true. That is a know, good point. It, uh, it's like I'm not like obviously like you're kind of not expecting him to be that great right away, but it's like how many? How many? That's the thing though. It's like how many games do you give him of like the leeway to get built back up in the Super League? Ooh, like what? What's it? What's the threshold? It's like a, do you start? Do you start freaking out after ten games? Seven? Five? Does he get like one more here before we start? I kind of I, I say give him five. I think that we need to give him at least, or a month's worth of games in practice, just because we're, you know, he's. It's gonna take time. Like he also hasn't been practicing with them the entire time either. Like, mm-hmm. so I think that there's a lot of things that that need to come into play, and you know, there's still not everyone's there yet in terms of. Uh, players like Chase Stanley still waiting on his visa to, to, to fully come Speaking into of effect. Off the field things that they need to do. Yeah. Get, get so, guys visas. You know, we'll see. We'll, Set lawsuits, we'll, we'll... get guys visas, get a TV contract. There's a yeah. start an academy team. So then there's, there's your list of off season th- or off field things to do. 
<laughs> yeah, and they got a little bit of a hill to climb. I think personally, you know, one of the things that I've seen people complain about, and and it is it is unfortunate because they don't have an academy program, but it is something that I would like them to see start. I, yeah, I know it's tough because yeah. everyone's pushing for them to start an academy program in Canada and. That's not what they should do, though. That's, that's not what they should be doing. They should yeah. be. They should be. Started. They started should, in Manchester. Started in Manchester. That's yeah. where they're practicing. That's where they definitely they're... try. Definitely try to look for players in Canada to bring on because I think there's a lot of young rugby players that they could easily transition over and and convince them to play. You know, set set it up with the scholars like they had, and you know, yeah. make something happen there. I think that. That the time of complaining is is over. I think that we've given them enough time. I think, I mean, we're going to be talking yeah. about it very soon. But I mean, the arrows in their second season have now started an academy team. Exactly. Now, granted, exactly. it's a little easier because you're grabbing union players for a union. But I think that there is, there are steps that the Air, the Wolfpack could make. But but that's um, yeah, the thing is, I think like the Wolfpack realistically are based essentially what 10 months out of the year they're based out of 10 oh, 10 9 10 months out of the year yeah they're based out of manchester and it's like there's there's league players in manchester oh yeah and like you can and there's probably league players in manchester that are good that aren't necessarily tied to other teams and that there's going to be league players in manchester that maybe would be willing to switch clubs or something for you too and you know if that's that's oh, realistically it's easy. like that's you look where at, the you, team's based out and you look at their roster and you say, hey, we need academy players. There's a very good, strong chance you might make the Super League. Yeah, and that's like, going to pull people very quickly. So or, I think or that... Yeah, like, or do something like what they uh, they used to have with, uh, what was it, the London Scholars? The that London they had that Scholars. Par- partnership I mean, with. And Quinn was playing for them for most of, of the first two seasons. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, I don't know, work, work something like that out again if that's possible. Um. The other thing too, it's, it's like you know one of those things that they, if you like, it's tough to like. I don't know. I've been critical of how much money Sonny Bill Williams is getting paid, and I think you know maybe some of that could have could go to could have gone to potentially starting a academy program, considering he's being paid three to three <laughs> times more than any rugby player in either code in the world, um, and even more if you take union out of that sentence. So. Um, so that's a, that's another possibility that I think for me, um, but you know that's like I think, especially if the RFL isn't going to change their rules, it's something that you have to figure out to deal with on how to deal with it because going through a super league season with twenty five or under players on your roster is going to be incredibly tough. Right. So. That's yeah. That's uh, that's something that you definitely have to figure out. And it will be something that will be they're they're gonna have to figure it out one way or another, either that or be relegated. Uh, but you know we're, we are gonna move on now to to union, and we are actually going to talk about right, here we go. An third, third code of the podcast already. Third code. We're on a roll. Um, and then we're gonna end with the Super Bowl, which will be the fourth and off. I know nothing yeah. about football. I can't. I can't. I can't offer any interesting analysis on the Super Bowl. It, at it was all. a good Super Bowl. That's yeah. really all we have to say about it. Uh, um, the Chiefs. The Chiefs have a Canadian player. 
And as far as I know, San Francisco did not have a Canadian player. No, so, and he's, he's actually a medical doctor. Like, he has yeah. his doctorate. Exactly. So, so, pretty- so the thing that I am learning in sports recently is if you have a Canadian player on your team, the chance of you winning increases. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Houston Sabercats, Rooney, other MLR teams without Canadians on them. Um, but uh, <laughs> it's true. It's a fact. Hey, the NBA champions are in Canada. and also had a Canadian player. The NHL champions had the most Canadian players on their team last year. 100% of Super Rugby teams with a Canadian on it won their game on the weekend. Just Derek, you make things math. so hard to segue into. But I'm just <laughs> going to do a hard segue. The Arrows announced their 2020 Academy and the athletes that are joining the program and then kind of laid it out how this program is going to work. Um, what I really thought was cool is I, I've... Uh, that they, they included the universities that some of these guys are going to, which is really neat. And I thought that was a really cool idea. And they also uh, broke it up to, uh, in, at least in Ontario, the East and the West. Really, really cool initiative that the Arrows have started. Now, Derek, what does this mean for the growth of, of rugby? You know, we've got the Pacific Pride in the West, and now we've got this program in the East. What, are, what is this Arrow program going to do for not just the arrows, but for Canadian rugby. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think it's a, it's amazing for Canadian rugby and for the arrows. Um, you know, it's definitely it's one of those things that uh, that we've talked about um, a lot since um, the Toronto Arrows entered Major League Rugby and what Major League Rugby can do. Um, it's that you know, it's nice to see that there's like a pathway that you can look at. So I know, like uh, you know, for somebody like myself, when I was playing rugby, it was essentially, you know, hey, if you're not it was, you know, you kind of like could go through high school or your club and then it was just, hey, if like you're not good enough to play provincial or if you weren't good enough to, uh, you know, just think you could have a shot at making the national team it was like, oh, I got nowhere to play now and people stop playing. Yeah. Um, right. So I think that's the that's going to be the key thing here is that I think with the Arrows Academy and then to another extent, too, with pride, like you can you can kind of start to see like, yeah, you play your high school, you play your club. That leads into playing um, playing at the university level as well as playing at the provincial level. If you're good there, that'll lead to you can join Pacific Pride, you can join the Arrows Academy, whichever one suits you best. And then that's your pole vault to either the Toronto Arrows, another MLR team, which will then be like your way to vault up to playing for the Canadian national team, uh, which is, you know, a clear... Basically, like a clear path is something that we've never really had before. It was just, you know, play club and then, you know, play maybe. club, play some, play some provincial. Maybe you get selected for the national team. But now, you know, it's it's the I think the one the one great thing though is like for all these kids that are have actually are joining this, um, joining the Arrows Academy. There is one like the Arrows Academy is being coached by. Um, like arrows coaches uh cory hector is overseeing the whole thing he's you know the arrows attack coach so it's like you're getting like genuine like elite level major league rugby coaching out of this too um you're going to be around that environment more often i'm sure they're going to have you know some arrows players you know maybe lend a hand and help out at sometimes or at least offer insight um to it um so that's obviously going to be a massive thing for it um the, the announcement did not say when, you know, the games would be played. Um, they're going to be 
Uh, it sounds like they're going to be playing a handful of games in the, the spring in into the summer here. Um, it would be interesting to see who they end up playing against. Obviously, there's a handful of other Major League Rugby teams yeah. um, that have already set up academies, so I'm guessing somewhere in there. I, for one, though, would like to see um, them play against Pacific Pride at some point, or at least do training together. Um, I think the one thing um, with Pacific Pride kind of going through it is that, you know, they've, you know, if you kind of look at some of the, the results in the BC Premier League, um, I believe they're undefeated and they're kind of crushing teams. Oh, um, oh yeah. So, um, like, I'm not, I can't think of the scores off the top of my head right now, but I remember like looking at it and it was like, there's some, there's some big numbers being up, being put up there. And it's one of those things where it's like if you're undefeated, you're putting up big scores on everybody. It's like maybe Pacific Pride kind of needs someone better to play against, um, which could hopefully be like the Toronto Arrows, or then hopefully you know if other if other um, major league rugby teams, especially some of the teams, say if Seattle wants to set up an academy program, San Diego, Los Angeles, um, some of those more West Coast ones, maybe like you know the Pacific Pride would become like a nice opponent for. For those teams to come play because i think yeah. they they might it looks to me like they might need a level between the bc premier league and major league rugby that's more suited to um, their skill set there and you know what confuses me is you know the the clc wolves played you know the crimson tide yeah it's kind of like was an invitational you know bc premier league where i was thinking to myself why are they not playing the pacific pride pacific pride players were on the crimson tide some of them were but i just feel like that that would have been a benefit so much i i kind of wish rugby canada pushed a little bit more because that would have been such a benefit to the pacific pride players to say this is what you're aiming for yeah have fun go get it that's what i'm kind of hopeful that like yeah, you know, I like hear what the, you're saying. Uh, the, we we know that the the we know the arrows in rugby Canada have been you know working together on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of those things is how to develop the best pathway and stuff. And I think I think the key thing with the arrows academy, um, for kids that you know, for athletes that are interested or have the potential or want to put the drive and the effort into um, becoming a professional rugby player or becoming you know a player on the national team. It was like before when we had like that centralization where it was like, you know, if you want to play for Canada, it's like wherever you are in the country, move to Langford, BC. And, you know, you have to, you know, play and train at the uh, the facility out there. Um, but then you wouldn't necessarily see like playing a whole lot of games specifically, uh, right? which isn't necessarily the always, you know, it's not always the best fit for everybody to be able to move um out to langford bc right which is now but now that you have the arrows academy it's like it's nice to have like an uh, basically an east coast option of that um so maybe you know it'll be one of those things where it's like hey if you're from like the prairies and bc you can go to the pacific pride if you're from you know ontario uh quebec and the maritimes you can come down to uh you know the the arrows academy or maybe even if you're from Anywhere across the country, you can go to whichever team you feel like is the best fit for you. Um, which is always it's always good to have to have those options and stuff. Also, like you know, I think too, like even the other things, it's like it helps develop the coaches too. Like you know, you have uh, like take like Corey Hector or whatever. He essentially gets you know a chance at 
you know, for some of these games and stuff, you're basically the head coach and, you know, that's a development opportunity for him as well um, to just, you know, kind of be able to take like the, the, uh, the full reins of a program and, you know, train. And um, the other thing too, is like having, you have the same attack coach um, doing, uh, you know, working for the academy and then he's the attack coach when you just take a step up to the big club. And, you know, if the, the error, if this, I mean, this, this hope, I mean, I'm hopeful that this is going to be a very successful program. Um, but like the idea would be, man, if you start graduating guys from the Arrows Academy and then they can come up to the Arrows, they're already like ingrained in the system. Um, so that they know they will be able to, you know, run an attack, run the defense exactly, you know, the way that the Arrows want it to happen. And yeah. it's a super beneficial thing to the Toronto Arrows because they can just, you know, they just bring guys in, you know, the plays, you know, the calls. Um, you know the strategy, um, and just have that ingrained into you from a young, a younger age, and get you into that partially, you know, full time professional environment or partially professional environment, and um, you know we can, uh, and yeah, just beneficial for everybody at that point. Now the real important thing about this academy, uh, there are four guys that played for the Peterborough Pagans. Oh. And a couple of them I have been tackled by personally, and it <laughs> is very painful. So congrats oh. to those lads. And I, actually, one of the guys, his mom is my doctor. So well, I there mean, you, you gotta, go. You, you got to say their names in the shout-out. You can't just oh. do it here. I mean, like one of the guys. If like, you're, you're going to shout them out, man, you got you to gotta start dropping all right. Emerson Pryor. And... Emerson Pryor, Darby Bradley, uh, Fergie, Brendan Ferguson, and and – Steve Cumberford, who his his mom is my doctor. They, you know, Emerson played under twenty. Uh, Steve played under twenty for Canada, and and uh, they've already both been part of the academy program last year when they had a couple of the exhibition games. So, you know, it, it doesn't surprise me to see them on the list. And and one of the coaches uh, with the Pagans has been doing uh, uh, video stuff with with the Arrows already, and he's the head coach of the uh, Trent Excalibur. So Tom. I'm sure had a hand in, in having some of these guys there. So I'm excited to see them make the next step. And I think Emerson's just one of those guys that you could tell that when he's playing club rugby, he's one of the best guys on the pitch. And it's, it's guys like that. They're going to get the advantage of playing at higher um, competition. And it's going to just grow Canadian talent more and more as, as, as this competition goes along. Yeah. They also want, they also all just came, became my four favorite rugby players now that I know that they've hit you. So that's uh, uh, I'm all yeah, well, in favor of this. It hurts a lot. It, I would imagine and my old body that, can that only just... take so much, and they're so much younger than me, and they get up so much faster than me after being tackled that it's not fair. Uh, yeah, I mean, don't have the ball, and they won't hit you. You can you can avoid it. Okay, I'll just never have the ball. Yeah, right. well, I mean, I'm I'd be shocked if you actually get your hands on the ball in many rugby games. Oh anyway. no, I'm I'm I am a prop. I run forward sometimes, or I ruck. I mostly ruck. There you go. Uh, but you know, there is a lot of uh, MLR news, uh, signings, people leaving, drama, gossip, um, and the first thing we're gonna do is a little bit of gossip because you know it's fun. Chris Robshaw, and uh, if you are a Harlequins. Fan, you know this man. If you are an England fan, you know this man. He has been part of England's 
uh, program for years. He's been part of the, the Quins for 16 years. He has announced that he is retiring after this premiership season. Now, what is interesting is he has been tied to Rugby United New York. Now, he won't be playing with them until the 2021 season, allegedly. So, you know, a lot of stuff is allegedly, out there. Allegedly. He's also taking some offers from France and Japan because you can just go to Japan and finish your season playing with some All Blacks and make some money and be hunky-dory. Um, but with I think, I think wife, the three highest paid players, rugby union players in the league in the world right now, play in Japan. Oh yeah, like, so the, like, the money's the money's great there. It's, a, it's amazing. It's amazing. Man. Like you're telling me, Brody Redelick couldn't play another season of Super Rugby? No, that See, guy's going to make his money. I love, I love, I love his contract being like, yeah, I'm going to go to Japan for two years, come back, and then I'll pick the All Blacks to play for the World Cup again. But yeah. I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go pad my bank account for a couple of years in between World Cups here. I mean, Dan Carter is still playing. Like he's, like he's still playing and, and playing well. Like he could definitely make a Super Rugby team, or he could definitely make a team in France, or he could for sure play in MLR. But he's just like, no, I'm gonna make my money in Japan and and do my thing. Well, um, but 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 the interesting thing that people have been pulling uh, the the ties to New York is Rob Shaw's wife is an opera singer apparently. Mm-hmm. From what I remember from, from, again, the gossip. So, interesting poll. Now, Derek, if Rob Shaw comes to MLR, is this just going to be another old guy, or does he still have gas in the tank? Nah, I, I think, like, I mean, he's still, he's, you can just watch him play in premiership right now. He's definitely still got some gas in the tank. Um, especially if he, I mean, being realistic, uh, the MLR is a drop in level from the premiership. Yeah. Um, so if he does that, then yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, it'll, it'll be, it'll be interesting to kind of to see how it goes. Like clearly that's the one, the one great thing I think about some, some of these teams and stuff is like, I like the way that major league rugby has sort of expanded and picked what cities they go to. Cause I think, you know, if you have teams in some of these world-class cities like New York, that's a draw to some of the bigger. Oh yeah. Um, and I really, and especially with New York, like I don't think it's a coincidence that New York seems to be gathering uh, like the most, you know, interest from some of these big name guys that have played, you know, elite, like high level test rugby, um, in like, you know, for some of the best nations like England or France with obviously Ben Foden, uh, Matthew Bastero there already. Um, and now Chris Rothschild, like, I'm not surprised that, you know, those guys are kind of looking at it and being like New York is an appealing destination to go live in. Um, uh, I guess, like you said, though, I think, you know, maybe that maybe there is some, you know, outside factors and, you know, some, you know, family considerations, like, you know, if his wife, uh, you know, if it's something that his wife may feel the need that she has to do to uh, further her career, then, you know, it's, you know, one of those things where it's, um, you know, that, that might be a super appealing move just to make, like, as a way to, yeah. you know, everybody in the family's happy and, you know, it's a good move for everybody. It's not necessarily just a good move for one person. And that's, you know, that's obviously a consideration for a lot of players um, is like, you know, the impact of assigning or moving leagues or teams will have on their family. So, um, it sounds, I guess there's a rumor too, that he might be in New York this week, um, at some sort yes. of Rooney, uh, fan, fan event or season kickoff party. Um, so, I mean, that's, that definitely isn't, um, putting water on the fire that he's coming. 
Um, <laughs> so, um, like, yeah, so it's, uh, you know, it's, it's always good. I think, honestly, I think it's great for, I think anytime the league can add some of these big names, it's, it's good because it's, you know, it becomes, it drums up, uh, you know, news stories for, you know, rugby fans around the world that, you know, like you said, that Rob Shaw's, you know, retiring and, or, um, leaving the Harlequins and, uh, you know, he can, he potentially is coming to play some major league rugby alongside. I guess I don't know if it would be alongside Bastero and Foden because I think Bastero is on a one-year. Yeah, so I, I think he's on a one-year. I don't. Deal I don't believe I don't he. Yeah, they might not have both of them. They probably can't afford to have all three of those no. guys on the team. Um, but uh, you know, it's still it's good to see the interest being drummed up around the world, and hopefully, for sure, you know, hopefully, rugby fans across the globe start tuning into uh, major league rugby games. So, like, that's kind of what you want, even if it's. You know, because right. there's somebody out there where Chris Robshaw is his favorite player, um, his or her favorite player, and you know, wherever Robshaw goes, it's like that could, could be something that they'd be interested in watching. Yeah, and you know, I want to go back to what you mentioned before about one of MLR's biggest pulls is their cities, and I want to bring us back to 2016 when pro rugby was running, and look at the five teams and where they were, Denver. Which is, you know, we've so, got Colorado there, so clo- close. Ohio. Glendale's like just outside of Denver just as outside, far as I yeah. know. So pretty close. Ohio, which strong sport town, but it's not, not a big pull for international athletes. And then three teams in, in L.A. And, and a little bit of a saturation, you know, Sacramento, San Diego, and San Francisco. I mean. So three teams in California, not three teams. Three in teams in Sorry, what did I? Oh, yeah, LA. Sorry, yeah. yeah. So, so I mean, Sacramento and San Francisco. I mean, doesn't have the same pull as as LA, and even to the extent of San Diego. So, you know, I think that MLR. I agree with you. Has been a little bit more smart in terms of where they've decided to put their teams, and you know, each each team has its own different appeal for for players, and it's going to be very interesting. And you know, we are starting to see ebb and flow of people going and leaving, and one of those players and this is where I, I mentioned the drama is is Tristan Blewett is leaving Nola Derek you yeah. know I I was a little high on on Nola this year and I think that this might be changing my mind about I, uh, you know some of should have written down I was gonna ask I'm gonna have to listen again and, and write down who who I who I was high on because you know this is a big blow to Nola's backline I know they've got a lot of talented guys but Blewett was one of the most talented players in the league. Yeah, he, he was. Uh, just kind of like, you know, it's it's definitely it's a big blow for uh, for Nola to get like right before the uh, the season starts. Um, and you know, it's it, it kind of sucks. Like he was one of the top highest scoring tri- uh, top try scorers of the year last year. And you know, they they Nola had a really high octane offense, and he. Is definitely he's probably the player that benefited the most from it. Yeah. Um, so it's you know it's 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 tough to kind of see him go. I guess he's you know making the decision to uh, go back to school. Um, but yeah, like Nola, it's a it's a loss. It's definitely a loss for Nola. Um, they they do have I guess they're maybe kind of fortunate that they do have some center depth available to them there. Mm-hmm. Um, Con, Con Foley and Tim Maupin um, available to, to uh, come and cover that. Um, 
so you know i don't i don't know if it, like it definitely doesn't maybe cripple the team but it definitely hurts them um so it's yeah like it's and to have that happen like you know a couple a couple weeks before the season out is oh like, yeah like, like it it's... hurts he had yeah like I'm, i just okay i just pulled it up he had 12 tries last year yeah. just behind behind ryberg ryberg's the only guy he was behind so you know you, you just lost the second highest try score in the league about under two weeks before the season kicks off so um that was the one thing I was going to ask you because I believe you were arguing with me about picking Atlanta over NOLA in, for the playoffs last podcast. So I'm wondering, you know, is, are the gears going and uh, is the mind starting to boy. change now? Because, like, Blewett had a big impact. Like, this is it. He did. And, you this know, he co- also covered – he also yeah, covered yeah. fullback for them sometimes too. Like, he he was a, a player that was really handy. And you know what? It's funny. I'm stubborn, but I'm also very fickle. So I want to be stubborn and stick with my my uh, my guess for now. But damn, if I'm not fickle and I just want to jump on that rattle that rattle train. But you know what? I'm sticking with it for now. I'm sticking with go. it for now. Have the who, who knows? Stay with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, the last bit of news uh, in terms of acquisitions and departures is is Matt Houston has uh, found a home in uh, D.C. Old Glory has signed him for this season and possibly beyond. Um, yeah. This is just That's another tool for their scrum, and, and it's a very interesting pickup for them. Yeah, it is. I think uh, I thought it was a really good pickup. Um, you know, it's definitely, you know, they need some of that, that veteran presence on that team, especially being an expansion team, um, uh, which is great. Um, I did find Brian Ray uh, brought um, on his site, America's Rugby News kind of brought up what I thought was a great stat um, for, for Houston, uh, which is he, you know, he uh, is the only player that has played for five different professional rugby teams in North America, uh, which is kind of crazy considering how we're on the, I guess if you go back and count pro rugby, we're on the fourth season of professional rugby in uh, in North America officially. So, um but uh, so to me, that's kind of nuts. So you have a guy that's already up to five teams. Um, but you know, he he had a huge year for New York last year, um, and he's definitely going to bring a lot a lot to their their uh, to their scrum. And they have they you know they are definitely too they they already have some really good back row players uh, with yeah. Larson uh, Fernanda Schultz already there as well. So you know, let's mm-hmm. um, I kind of uh, you know. Uh, didn't, I'm not a huge fan of their depth, but I feel like their back row might be, you know, the back row that they've strung together is uh, looking pretty solid. And if they do have guys go down for injuries, um, they, you know, the, they're probably all right at that position. Other positions I'm still kind of questioning, um, but Houston overall is a really nice pickup. And, you know, there's not, not going to be like, he's going to be a bit, make a big impact on that team um, probably right away too. Right. Yeah, I, I'm interested to see seeing his impact for sure. And I think the best thing and then we talked about it with the arrows is competition breeds better performances out of people. Mm-hmm. So it will be interesting to see how that all turns out. Now we're going to get into the latest MLR news and I 
I don't want to do talk about it because I think it's just ridiculous. But it is ridiculous. a big piece of news, and and we're going to talk about it. The Austin Gildronies, Gildronies, Gildronies. Austin has yet again changed their name and rebranded. Mm-hmm. Um, named after a quote-unquote large drink that will be Texas, created later. Texas-sized cocktail, Ugh. I believe is the Ugh. actual quote. I want to just translate it to vomit. Yeah. <laughs> now, what do you think about this? And I think I think we need to look at this two ways because there's the team rebranding and then there's the new team strategy. So yes. let's go yeah, with let's, the branding. Let's do the first. branding first. The branding first. Okay. How do you feel about it? All right. So my first my first thought before even getting into what the team name is or the colors of the logo or any of that other branding is it is an incredibly bizarre decision to rebrand twice in an off season and then also to have to rebrand the second when you rebrand the second time to have it under two weeks before the season opener um is kind of and to add on to that announce that you're moving stadiums as well um, yeah yeah it's so from it's, that perspective it's it's kind of it's mind blowing that it happened I, yeah it's, I, it's, I am, it's crazy. It doesn't like I don't. Um, I my my biggest question when this was announced, and I'm still not even quite sure what's going on, um, is did like, I mean, it was nice. I like that they in the announcement they addressed any of the fans that bought herd gear, um, were going to be able to you know trade it in or whatever and get the new yeah. gronies. That's a nice gesture because I think I feel like you'd have to do that because this is. Like, if you make this very bizarre decision, you kind of can't leave the fans out to dry, especially since Austin has done a lot of work to, uh, you know, patch things up with the rugby community out there. You don't want to just throw that away. So um, that's definitely a move that I feel like they had had to do. Uh, But so my biggest question is, like, did Paladin know about this? Like, do we have... Yeah. Do we have Gilgroni's jerseys ready to go for Sunday? Um. And like, because it was it was interesting to kind of see like, um, if follow if you follow a bunch of the players on um, like Instagram or other social media, which I highly recommend you doing because you know they help grow the profile of the league and stuff. So like, if guys are going to create content and kind of promote themselves, definitely go support that and uh, watch the things that they do. Um, but um, like, you could kind of see like they were kind of when they arrived to the stadium, you have like guys are in like herd track suits and. You know, there's, I guess they have some of those Gilgroni's orange uh, t-shirts Yeah. Um, with the, the AG on. Is that supposed to be pronounced Aggies? Because I kind of thought that, like, Aggies and, like, Texas Longhorn people didn't really get along. But uh, uh, is the AG supposed to be a pun on that? I don't really know. Don't Anyways. Know. Um, but it was... You're looking to it way more than I did. Yes. Yeah, no, I, this, ah, man, I, I'm a big uh, logos and team branding guy. So this is, uh, this is actually super interesting to me. Um, for a number of reasons, but, um, uh, but yeah, so it's like, my biggest question is like one, what jersey, what kit are they wearing on, um, on Sunday? Um, because when they played the, I believe they played the Austin blacks this past weekend, they were wearing herd, uh, not even a herd Jersey. They were wearing some camo thing with a herd logo on it. Yeah. Um, which isn't the Jersey that the herd announced to be having. So it wasn't like, I don't know if that was like a practice kit that they just slapped some numbers on after, but, um, so I'm very curious because they were clearly wearing herd or even maybe it was even older, maybe it was elite, but actually it had a paladin logo on it. 
Um, so they're clearly wearing herd gear when they played the Blacks last weekend. So I'm really curious to see what they come up with for this, um, which is ultimately is why I have no idea why you, even if there is new ownership, why you didn't just ride out the season as the herd and then change it next year. Um, just for that, like just for some of that basic logistical reasons yeah. on that. Um, well, and I don't want to toss around the term bush league because it's a very harsh term, but it's it just doesn't it doesn't make MLR look as professional as it could be. And I think that you're doing yourself a disservice as a as a owner to pull this at the last minute, finish out yeah. the year as the herd, and then rebrand. It's going to look messy yeah. going three seasons in a row and having three different teams. But if you're dead set on rebranding, don't do it a week and a half before your season starts. Because now fans are asking these questions. Are they going to come out and Austin heard stuff? I mean, they did yeah. the, the league did all that advertising for the Vegas tournament or the mm-hmm. Vegas weekends. Man, and like, it's all heard stuff. Like, but yeah, with, with, the, with the advertising thing, though, it's like, yeah, every, every advertising image is still these guys wearing hurt jerseys. Yeah. Like every single one. And it's like, I think even, I think even the, like, the Austin team, I think is kind of like they, I saw that they kind of started just slapping that like orange, uh, t- like tint over it or like filter. Yeah. So it doesn't quite look like a herd jersey, but it's also clearly like they're, that's what they're wearing. So you don't have pictures of them in a Gilgroni jersey. Um, because, and, uh, so I'm very curious to see what they step out on the pitch with, um, this Sunday. Um, to move on though to the actual name itself. Um, I feel like I'm in the minority on this, uh, but Dan, what is what's your opinion on the name first? I do feel like I'm in the minority, though. It should be a hint as to where I'm going with like, this for people. When I told one of my coworkers about this, this situation, you know, he he's a big soccer fan and he's he's big into English rugby, like the 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 the, the international team. So he's not he's not super in, into it into rugby, but he's into European sports. And when I told him about this, he's like. That sounds super Australian. Like that which sounds, it is. It is. Which uh, and like that's what I said. Of, yeah, they're Australian. Yeah. That's ex- I'm like that's exactly what it is, and I'm like it's it's so laissez-faire. It's so all right. Well, we're the owners now, so we're doing this. Um, the name is I. I think it's dumb. I think it's stupid. I think it's egotistical that this guy decided to add his name to a drink and be like there's your there's your thing like like why wouldn't he just call them the austin loyals like that's his branding that he's been that using I, like is I he, think, i think they're gonna call the la team the oil the loyals call them the western loyals then, and then <laughs> these guys are the central loyals like if you want to be that egotistical about it then then yeah. do it that way like and i get it like, let's keep austin weird i love it i love weird i love when sports do weird things i love when when people have have hockey jersey that looked like lumberjack and they got hair on their chest. This is just I we need more of that in MLR. Yeah, it's just self self serving in in my opinion, and I just it's fine. Like whatever. I I think that if they hadn't announced all the stuff that they ha- had announced before, I'd be a lot more pissed off about it. But with all the other stuff that we'll we'll get into as well. Um, I it's fine, I guess. I'm not as grumpy yeah. about it as I am other things I've been on grumpy about on this show, like oh. Dan Moore not being selected for the World Cup or whatever. But 
it's fine. You, you can you can say Scott Green's name. You're allowed to. It's fine. Ah, uh, he's got <laughs> nice tattoos, Scott Green. So, hey, you complimented Scott Green. That's a first on a first in the history of this podcast, I think. Um, what about you, Derek? You you say that you like it. Why why do you I, like this abomination? You know, I do. Um, I actually, as far as the branding as a whole goes, I actually. Man, I've sat there and it's like my my like is conditional though, and I'll get to my condition at the end. Um, but it's like I do, I do actually kind of like it. It's um, I love the colors. I love the, yes, the logo. That, that was the, the one thing I was kind of classic, like college. You you know, like the you, logo you looks know, American a little, college. Yeah, the logo looks a little too baseball-y for me, but I like the, the idea behind it. Yeah, um, yeah, that's fair. But uh, I like the idea behind it. I think I think if they put the the AG logo on their like on as the crest on their jersey, I think that would look better. Uh, but again, we have no idea what they're wearing, so I'm not going to judge that yet. Um, but yeah, like I think when I remember, like was it like a couple episodes ago where we were talking about how most of the teams are black and blue, black, blue, and red, right? Yeah. So, like, you know, you wanted a little bit of splash of a different color, and hey, you know, one of the black teams is now bright orange. Oh yeah, uh, I got so it. But just with a dash of crazy. With a dash of crazy, yeah. So I think here's here's my take on the team name is that if I have no problem with it, um, it's a little weird. I don't really mind weird though. Um, you know, it might be a good thing for them to have because I mean, I can guarantee. Like, if you made up a word, like you're. Like, you know, there's there's nothing stopping you from doing any... Like, there's no way anybody has Gilroni uh, copyrighted on any no. platform. Um, you know, it's not like you're running into, like, you know, the Warriors, which, you know, there's probably a <laughs> lot of teams. There's a lot of teams in North American sports, um, especially that one in uh, Golden, uh, Golden, the Golden State there, um, that, uh, you know, there's a lot of popular teams named the Warriors across the world in a variety of yeah. sports. Um, but, uh, you know, that's, doesn't mean the Warriors is a bad name. It just means it's a more common name. Um, but the, uh, like, that's what I kind of like about Gilronis. The one thing that I kind of, cause I saw like a lot of people complaining that it's named after a drink and I have no issue with that. Um, because it's, but the thing is, is it's, you're laughing, you're laughing. But the thing is, is it's like <laughs> the Austin Gilronis are not the first team to name their team after a product or a sponsor no. um especially like obviously if you go to europe um sponsorships things like that or uh, or even other parts of the world they're a little bit more like prominent on you know obviously on teams like jerseys and things like that because you know even even our like you know even hockey teams where it's like there's you can't find a sponsor on a hockey jersey over here at the highest level you go over to europe and like their jerseys are like littered with sponsors and stuff um, so it's a little bit different, but like just for some examples of like even just North American sports, um, the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, name inspired by Labatt Blue, uh, who were the original owners. Uh, Labatt Brewery was the original owner of the team, and that's kind of where they got their name from. It was a name the team contest, but Labatt kind of rigged it so the only they only would allow teams that had the word blue in it to actually win. Um, the New York Red Bulls in MLS. Um, also, literally any team around the world that's named the Red Bulls, because there's a lot of them. Yeah. Red Bull. Red Bulls is a self-explanatory one. You can, I'm sure everyone can figure out who owns the Red Bulls. Um, I think, and uh, a couple other ones too. The the Green Bay Packers are named after the Acme Meat Packing Company. Um, so, like the uh, Curly Lambeau went to his boss uh, when he worked there and asked for money for jerseys. 
And they were like, well, slap my name on your jersey. And that's how they became the Green Bay Packers. And, you know, to this day, that's probably one of the more iconic uh, uniforms in professional football is the Green Bay Packers. Um, and so, like, that didn't really stop that. I think the most famous one is the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim, um, who were literally basically like, hey, Disney was kind of like, hey, we're putting out a sequel to a hockey movie. Let's buy an NHL team. Um, and then we're <laughs> going to make a bunch of merchandise, cartoons, and a couple more movies um, centered around a hockey team that wears, uh, you know, the same jersey that we're going to make the NHL play. Also, fun fact, Iceland versus USA at the Junior Goodwill Games uh, for the for the movie is the first hockey game ever played in the Honda Center where the Ducks play. That was the first thing, the first hockey game that actually occurred in that arena was Disney filming that movie. Um, so One, I love that you know that. Yes. I do I do have a counterpoint counter counterpoint to make about this. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. However, every single team that you just mentioned either had a company that already pre-existed or a product that already existed. You, they're not you're making correct. up they're not making up a, a new drink that they haven't even announced what it is and combining it with the owner's name. I that's my yes, only point correct. I bring in. You're correct. That was my one condition. Like, I have no issue with you naming a team after a product that you own that you want to try to sell. My condition, though, is that that product has to actually exist. So um, if it doesn't exist, then it becomes a silly name. So I just hope I'm able to drink uh, some Gilgronis really soon. Um, it better, better taste really good. Yeah. If I can drink a Gilgroni, no issues with the name. If I can't, then it's a pretty silly name. Um, but they're not the first—they're not the first team to do it. They're not the last team to do it. Um, so I have no issue with it from that standpoint. I do like the colors, like you said. It takes out—it adds a little something different to Major League Rugby. A lot of blacks, a lot of reds, a lot of blues. Um, so it's something that I'm sure it'll pop out a little bit. Um, but you know, you gotta make sure this actually works. The stuff that they added to the side, um, you know, those other things like um, some of their game day experience or some of the, you know, paying for, you know, club oh, yeah. tickets, um, discounted tickets for families and stuff. All that stuff attached to it was awesome. And if they follow through on any on any of that, you can call the team whatever you want. Yeah. Um, but and if, if anyone, anyone hasn't that, heard, if anyone hasn't heard or written or seen or read any of the stuff about the Gilgroni's new action plan for Austin and for youth rugby, please go to their Twitter, their website, their Facebook, and read the press release. Um, because it, what they have planned for for this city is is exciting. It really is. And I hope that they, they follow through on it. And I think that if, if it does, and you know the team has a little bit more success, I think that they could really turn turn the program around. And, you know, they've got their first chance this weekend, and they will be playing Toronto Arrows for the first game of their MLR season. That was a hell of a segue there, but I know I was on that was on fire. I loved it and and we ruined it, but that's fine. (laughs) Uh, You know, Derek, what can we say about this Austin team? What are they bringing to the pitch? You know, I I tried to look at their roster before uh, we did this podcast and there's a lot of there's a big um, influence from uh, South America on this team you know 
mm-hmm. a lot of unsure guys that that really couldn't make a difference and some international assistance coming soon i you know we don't know of this time whether or not some of their big guns coming from overseas will be playing in the arrows game um but what do you what do you think derek about some about but what austin um could bring to uh to the to the pitch when they when they face the arrows yeah i mean for sure like they definitely it'll be interesting to see what they uh you know what their lineup looks like i mean they they recently added uh you know the uh, Brazilian hooker uh, Wilton Rabalo, um, which is a really nice pickup. So now they got um, Rabalo and uh, Juan Echeverria um, in the front row, which is a very nice combination to have. I would I I'm guessing um, maybe people that follow Austin a little bit more correctly or we'll see when the lineup comes up. But I would imagine it might be Lerone White um, starting uh, starting at loose head. Um, so like that's like you know that'll be a solid combination. They also have Tian Erasmus and Chris Shade there at hooker too. So um, you know there's there's some quality up in the front row for sure. Um, and Tian and Erasmus actually has been also covering loose forward as well because they're a little mm-hmm. light in the back row. So he when they played Colorado, um, he also subbed in back there too and had a pretty good game. So yeah, continue. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, for me, like, I'm not expecting, I don't, I'm not expecting Adam Ashley Cooper, which by the way, that was a massive signing that we totally brushed over when we that oh, news, wow. that, that news uh, segment. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we, we kind of just completely brushed over that. But yeah, Adam Ashley Cooper and Kurt Morath are, uh, Kurt Morath's back yeah. um, in Major League Rugby. And uh, so, so those are two massive signings. Um, you know, Adam Ashley Cooper's obviously, you know, he has an Australian great there. Um, you know, 100 and t- over 120 caps. So, um, Kurt Morath, obviously, a Tongan international as well. Um, you know, so that's you know that's a nice fly half pickup for them, um, especially since fly half is a position they were super thin on going into the yes. season. Yes, right, because they were going to have to shoehorn guys that haven't played fly half. Yeah, they were they were definitely experimenting this uh, this yeah. preseason with guys in certain spots. Yeah, exactly. And then obviously too, like they made some man, like they made some nice pickups. Frank Halai uh, from like you know, it's one cap, but hey, if you got capped by the All Blacks, man, you're a pretty damn good rugby player. Yeah. Um, so it's you know like they have a lot, like they have like some really nice talent like going into this. Um. So like yeah, and you know some guys that you know they're still kind of trying some combinations and stuff out. I. You know, like it's kind of interesting to see how some of the teams do preseason and stuff, like based on like what opponents they play. I think it's probably good for Austin, though, based on the season that they had last year, that they got to play a game last week where they killed somebody. Um, it was just, you know, they probably boost the confidence to, up. Yeah, exactly. Boost the confidence. Run some tries in. Make that make that new scoreboard at your brand new stadium tick over a little bit. Um, but that that's kind of leads me to where what I would ultimately expect from Austin. It's like I think uh playing Austin in the first game this year, I think is for the Toronto Arrows, it's very interesting. Um obviously they have a lot of players that are kind of that are different that are coming into the team. They had a pretty big roster turnover um from last season. Um but you know obviously a couple of new coaches, new ownership, but there's been a lot going on with this franchise in the last you know month or so and but to me i think they like their job one is to kind of send a message to the league that what happened last year isn't going to happen again 
Um, so it's like their their number one goal right now is just win a game. Um, and the Toronto Arrows are the first one up. So I would expect Austin to, regard, like, no matter what lineup comes out there, I would expect them to kind yeah. of come out guns blazing because, you know, they need, they, need to, they need to send that message and they need to instill some of their own confidence in themselves. Um, and if you look back at the, the games that the Arrows played against uh, Austin, really it was the Arrows that had um, roster, uh, not issues, but... Uh, circumstances. I mean, their first game, they had a lot of their international players away from the ARC, and then and their their second game in Canada, it was a, essentially a split squad game because it was postponed mm-hmm. and put in the middle of a, of a week on a Wednesday. So, you know, yeah, uh, sec- second game of three in eight days. Second or so. games of three. So, you know, these games really had a big uh change in terms of who is playing and and so for the arrows it's going to be very interesting to see them with a stand their standard roster for most of the season starting together they've they've had some preseason games together and mm-hmm. seeing what they can do with this new yeah, i guess a new style of offense but definitely with a new flow that they might be going with yeah like i think uh from what i've seen of them in the preseason stuff their offense is looking a lot more say uh dynamic a lot more like creative um guys are definitely running lines that probably they didn't run last year um it's gonna be tough to defend they're gonna try to they're definitely gonna try to open some open some holes up in team's defense um with using utilizing some speed and a little bit of creativity with the ball um as well um but the the big thing that the arrows are gonna have is the scrum um so the the scrum is yeah the scrum is looking like the weapon of choice for the Toronto Arrows right now. Um, and, you know, that's one of the, it's the same thing. It goes across every league in rugby. If you have a good scrum, um, if your scrum's better than other teams, it's like, it goes a long way to uh, winning some, winning titles. And, uh, you know, we saw, we saw like the prime example at the the World Cup this year, where it was just, you know, the, the Springboks just decimated teams. And there's, they couldn't, teams couldn't do anything about it because it was, you know, they were just that much better than everybody else. And, you know, that's, you know, the brilliance of Springbok rugby. And I think the, the Toronto arrows look like they're kind of trying to come in um, the same way. Like they had the, the, uh, you know, the controlled scrimmage against uh, Rooney or whatever. They sent like three, like three scrums against the feedback, um, you know, and were able to steal the ball and stuff. And if they can do that, and I think, to be honest, like Rooney's got a much better, much better than off Austin. Um, so that'll well, be... and also guys that have been around each other a little bit more too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, so I think there's going to be, you know, I don't like, I don't, I honestly like overall looking at this, I I don't in seeing it like Austin is not going to go zero and sixteen again, but they're no. going to start the season zero and one. I think. Um, because I think like the arrows are just, they're just better than them, um, in every, and I think, I don't know, it'll be interesting to see like if the, if the scrum is going to be an interesting, I fully expect this arrows to dominate that area of the game. And then it'll be up, you know, it'll be up to the backs and stuff to kind of, you know, execute and finish off some tries. Yeah. Uh, but the arrow should be in a very good position this week. Um, but they, I think they will have to weather that storm because Austin will be, I think Austin's going to come out of the gate guns blazing here because they have to. It's you got you have to win. You have to win a game 
Like that's that's like that's the biggest goal for that team right now. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a question that uh, I just thought of now because um, I like throwing you for a loop every now and then to keep you fresh, keep you keep your mind sharp. Who's gonna be your man of the match for the arrows? Ooh, in in the first game. In the first game. Oh. Hmm. I'm trying to think of how I want to answer this question though. Do you want me to um, go first? Because I've got an answer. Uh, no, no, because you thought of the question, so you were probably prepared for your answer. Like, just kind of being. I've been thinking about it the like, whole time we've been recording. You know what? I'm gonna go with Ben Lesage. I think okay. will be my man of the match. I feel like uh, he's looked really good in uh, in training, and I think you know, giving you know, doing a team here uh, with Austin, um, like you know, he's. Uh, they might have like Sonny Ula. Um, I'm gonna totally butcher Sion Feng Fenga Huya. I'm sorry, buddy. I completely butchered your name there, man. I apologize. Um, and Penny to give, like, uh, you know, so I'm thinking, uh, because like th- that's a good matchup for him either way. Um, uh, any of those three guys that are in there, um, yeah. and you know, so I think, and I think. With the arrows offense kind of being more dynamic and stuff, he's going to get a lot of opportunities with the ball in hand too. So, um, I'm going to go with Ben Massage for my my pick to be the MVP or the man of the match in this game. And I think that uh, with so many new guys on both sides of the pitch, I think we're just going to go with someone that's old faithful, someone that that's had MLR man of the match, and you know team of the week experience i think that mike shepherd's gonna have a big first game of the season yeah. i think that he's gonna have a big impact especially with the ball carrying i think that he just adds something that uh austin will be ready for mm. so we're gonna we're gonna do something new this year um and everyone uh everyone has their own version of it but we are going to be challenging each other uh this this season and we are going to keep track and i will be keeping track of who votes for who, and we are going to see who can predict uh, more wins this season in MLR. Uh-huh. So, Derek, I am quickly writing down your name. All right, here we and go. And I'm going to write down uh, who you are going to pick. So, we're going to start with you, and then we're going to go with. We'll we'll go. We'll both go for each game. So, for round one, the first game is Colorado versus Houston. Who do you have, and what's the score? Uh, oh, what's the score? Oh, wow! I didn't expect we were gonna add that to it. Uh, that that threw me for a loop. That's there. more for fun. We're, yeah. we're really keeping track of who wins, but Bo- bonus, not worried bonus, about the over under. Bonus points if you actually get the score right. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm gonna go with the Houston SaberCats to get their start the season off with a bang here. Um, I think I still think you know watching having seen Colorado a little bit. Um, and watching them last year, um, I just don't have faith in their scrum very much. Also, you know, it was one of those things where, like with that team, I've always felt that they, uh, you know, the scrum was their biggest issue last year. And then their two biggest offseason acquisitions were backs. Um, so I don't it feel like they've necessarily addressed that. Houston, uh, I think, is kind of poised to just, you know, they, they struggled last year, but they ended really strong. And I feel like 
I feel like that momentum is going to carry over, and I think they have a genuine shot at making the playoffs in the Western Conference. So I'm going to back the Houston Sabercats to get off to a big start here. You know, it's hard to bet against. You can't Rene change your Ranger. mind. Explanation. No, no, no. It's hard to bet against Rene Ranger and John Ryberg. But are they? Wings. I don't think I don't think Rangers here yet though. No, like, he he was here. training. He's training. Was he training? He's uh-huh. he's there. Now, whether or not he plays in the game is is a different thing. But he's he's in Colorado with them. Oh, I think I will go with with uh, with Colorado because I think that they've got. I think that they just they're just a little bit more dynamic, and I think that they have a good chance of, of pulling away from Houston, especially since I just don't think that Houston's got the, the, the talent in the back line to make it happen. I, I don't think so. What's your score? What do you think the score is going to be? Oh, man. Uh, my score is going to be 25, 25-22. I'm going to say gonna the win, score. I didn't say it would be a blowout. <laughs> I think that the score will be 20 to 14 for Colorado. Okay. Old Glory DC versus Nola Gold. Derek, who do you have in this game? Uh, I'm going to take Nola in this, um, even without Tristan Blewett. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, I think, I think. Some of the expansion teams right off the bat might be in a little bit tough. I don't know if this is like this is this is a tough game to start off your MLR campaign with. Um, yeah, and uh, you know we kind of we kind of saw it with uh, Toronto versus Nola last year in the in the, the season opener. Where it was just like Nola just looked a little bit more ready to go than Toronto did at that point. So yeah, um, I, I'm I'm not necessarily basing it completely off of that, but I think. You know, I think for Old Glory right now, it's like they're still kind of waiting on their best player to show up. And, um, you know, so um, for the time being, um, like, they, they kind of got some stuff to figure out in there, too. And, um, you know, I think uh, like Noel, Noel's a solid team. They, you know, they kept the coach around. Um, they kept a lot of the core group of guys and stuff. So um, they, I think they'll, uh, they'll start off with a win here. And I, I think I agree with you. I think that their experience in the league, I mean, one of the tough things about how their season ended is they're going to learn from it. And when you keep a good core of those guys around, hopefully it will rally and they'll work together. So I think that uh, Nola will win this game as well, especially with the Beast not mm-hmm. not part of the, the, the program yet. So what is your score for this game, Derek? Well, it's Nola, so 45-30. Yeah, that's it's it's Nola. I, yeah, I'm gonna it's go Nola. I'm gonna go uh Nola Nola thirty um old glory sixteen. I think that it will be it won't be as as explosive of a game, but I definitely think that Nola will win comfortably. Okay, next game is Utah versus Rattle Rugby ATL. 
Derek, who um, do you have on this one? I'm going to take Rugby ATL um, in this one. Um, uh, the Utah kind of is scaring me a little bit right now. Um, they didn't look too great against the Arrows. Um, the Arrows also looked very good in that game, in fairness. But the mm-hmm. off- Utah was definitely struggling in that game. Um, and then I obviously didn't see the game against San Diego, but that scoreline was terrifying. That's probably, scary. probably did not induce too much confidence in the Utah fans. Rugby ATL, I talked about it on the last podcast, I believe. It's like I kind of like the way that they built their team. Um, a lot of local guys coach that have already played for the coach before. And, um, you know, I think I think this is a really good matchup for them. Like if they, you know, you kind of want to start, um, you know, this is probably a great team to start your uh, Major League Rugby campaign with. Um, so I'm going to back them to uh, get off to a win in the first ever uh, uh, rattle game in history. Yeah, I and. Uh... And they're much less of an unknown as compared to former years. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, they've, they've played already. Yeah. They, like, they've played already, and they've also, nice, yeah. they've also slowly announced some of their, their signings. So we know a little bit more about Utah than we have uh, in the past, but I think i got to agree with you. I think Rattle's set up for, for a nice, nice win to start. And maybe Utah comes a little shell-shocked after their last game, and... and uh, Rattle just kind of pull, pulls away with the win, but I think it's definitely going to be a closer, the, probably one of the closer games of, of the weekend. Yeah, yeah, it, it could be that. It definitely could be, or we could you never know. Uh, the scores are might be. Uh, I'm nervous about predicting scores here because I feel like I'm just like <laughs> setting myself up for. Oh, uh, you thought you thought like this team would. It's be, it's yeah, good practice. Play. It's yeah, good practice exactly. to see. You know, we, we're going to build into it as the season comes along. Yeah, maybe right. like all uh, these new props as we, we got to build our way into the build season. Build our way up to it. What's uh, your score? I'm gonna take rugby ATL goal twenty eight to twenty. And I think that uh, it'll probably be less of a high scoring affair. So I think it's going to be uh, 14 to 10 for Rugby Ooh. ATL. All right. So the next game is the Battle of the Northeast, as uh, I've seen it. Battle of, of, of the Cold. I, I, there's been a couple hashtags oh, yeah. thrown around in this one. Battle of the uh, Northeast Rooney. in Las Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Rooney versus the New England Free Jacks. Uh this one, this one, kind of. I had to look at it for a while because I didn't necessarily want to vote one way or another. But I think I've made my decision. Derek, who you got for in this game? Um, I'm curious just to see why you think the New England Three Jacks will win this game. So if you're going to have that, um, I will happily listen to it. But I'm going to take Rooney. Oh no, I've got Rooney as well. I. Uh, Yes, yeah, so I don't I'm know. Curious, well, I, 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 this feels like one of the no disrespect to the New England Free Jacks, but this kind of feels like one of the easier ones to call. Which totally means that the New England. Now that I've said that, New England Free Jacks are going to win this game because um, <laughs> that's probably how this is going to go down. But yeah, I, think, I don't I know. Think Rooney, I, is, Rooney is one of the best teams in the league last year, and then you'll know, yeah take them in versus the expansion team. It's I feel like the betting line will always favor the you know the 
the team the experience was team. Ex- excellent all of last year. And uh, you know, from that um from that that arrow scrimmage too, their mall is so good. Um like oh, Dylan yeah. Fawcett is gonna be top three in tries again this year. Yeah. Because they're just gonna get the ball within ten meters and they're gonna steamroll teams. Um there's like and it'll be interesting to see how the New England Free Jacks handle that um in their first game. Oh, that's, yeah. a, that's a that's a big ask in uh, your first uh first uh, game in major league rugby. And you know what? Maybe I was just distracted by one, by their kit. And I said, there's how can a team with such a nice jersey lose? Mm-hmm. And then I f- forgot who their opponent was and I'm like, ah, well, there you go. That's I, I I do think that it will be it will be Rooney taking taking it. Uh, what's your score for this game? Uh, I'm going to go with 40-23. Yeah, and I, I said uh, I, I put it at uh, thirty-five to twenty, so pretty pretty similar score lines. I think it'll be Rooney kind of running away with this. Okay, last two, and this one is a uh, rematch of the uh, season two MLR final: Seattle versus San Diego. All right, Derek. Yeah, so you, got, you know what? I want you to pick this one first. You want me to pick first? Yeah, I think it's gonna be Seattle. In all reality, I think it's going to be Seattle. I think that their scrum has gotten better. I think that as intimidating as Nanu is, I think Ross Neal is an impressive specimen. I think that they will be clashing all throughout the game, and I think that it's going to be so much fun to play. And you can never rule out Jeff Hassler pulling something out of his hat. And Matt Turner is just an absolute monster you know, running like like he's the Energizer Bunny. So I think that it's going to be Seattle winning the game. All right. So I'm going to pick San Diego because you pick Seattle. And that's going to be all the logic that I need. Um, wow. And uh, so I'm totally taking San Excuse Diego Excuse me this. for being a patriot um, and picking Canada West. Yeah, but they're not actually in Canada, so it doesn't really count. Um, <laughs> although I did maintain that Canadian. San Diego's got a Canadian too. It's all good. Um and uh, but I mean, I'm kind of looking at their their backs. I think are too good. I think uh, I think San Diego is going to win the West, and I think it starts by eliminating or taking a win from you know probably their biggest opponent in that race in the West. Um, so that was kind of my logic on it. But the biggest deciding factor is that you picked uh, Seattle, so I'm taking the San Diego Legion. Wow, I'm. If I picked vanilla ice cream, would you pick chocolate? Well, chocolate is infinitely better than vanilla ice cream. Oh my god! Who, like who? What is? All who, right, everyone. I'm like, looking for. I'm looking for a new co-host. Tweet at La Rouge Rugby if you want to be my new co-host because chocolate ice cream is gross, and that's all I need to say about that. What is the wow. score line? Okay, what's what's the worst? Here? What's the worst take? Spencer Jones is going to be a winger. Chocolate is the worst ice cream. I think that That's, you you have some shockers of those are last bad two takes. podcasts. I think that they're both great thoughts, and I think that we need to move on because what's your score for this game, Derek? Well, now you know what. Um, I was probably going to go with something close, but now that you said chocolate's terrible, I just want to destroy you. So the score that I'm hoping is going to happen now is sixty-five nothing San Diego. And All they, right, I'm writing that they, down. It's going to be then, in my notes. And they celebrate 
by eating chocolate ice cream in front of your face is what Gross. I'm kind of hoping for. Um, is this game – where is this game being held? Is it in San Diego or Seattle? Do we know? Uh, San you know Diego the is the home team. San Diego okay. is the home team. Torero okay. okay, that changes I things. I can't believe you don't fine. like chocolate ice cream. I'm I I don't – all right. Let's get into this, everyone. I don't like chocolate in a lot of things. I'm not a big chocolate fan. I'll have chocolate if it has peanut butter and if it is hot. Like if I have a hot chocolate or a brownie or like chocolate cake, that's fine. But just chocolate flavored stuff is gross. Chocolate ice cream, like a chocolate bar, unless it has peanut butter or like maybe a Mars bar every now and then. But anything else chocolate related, chocolate chip cookies, unless they're super hot right out of the oven, I won't eat them. Like it's just... Not not happening. 95 nothing. 95 nothing. All right, I'm writing it down. I'm going to say it's going to be a close one. I think it's going to be like, I think yeah. I wrote down, what I write down here, like 25 to, to 20 for Seattle. Like it's going to uh, be, I think it's going to be a barn. Yeah, run. you know, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you keep my 65 nothing. But um, yeah, realistically, it'll probably be a really tight game. Um, it'll probably be around 30 something to 30. Uh, yeah, like. Yeah, like about thirty to twenty-five range, um, okay. realistically. But I'm gonna I'm gonna back my sixty-five nothing just in, because that was the worst take I've ever heard. Um, Allegedly, yeah. you think it's the worst take? Yeah, no. We'll let the uh, people decide. It's gonna it's gonna get beat because right now on this uh, Canadian focused rugby podcast, you're probably about to take Austin to beat the Toronto Arrows because that's Ew. the type of person that you are. I'm not. You know what, Derek? I have had it. This is this is the worst. What is your take? Who are you picking in this Toronto versus Austin game on this Canadian centric podcast? Yeah, I gotta. I'm gonna. You know, I gotta back the arrows on this one. Um, I'm gonna. Yeah, there's uh, the scrum's gonna be too much. The uh, the backs depth is definitely gonna be too much too. Um, and yeah, so I'm gonna take the Toronto arrows. Well, I will say thirty five. 16 you yeah i said 40 to 10 so i definitely don't have as much confidence in austin as you do i think that i think it's going to take them a while to even get the chemistry to to be creative just so i i think they're gonna have a hard time trying to score tries i think there's gonna be a lot of ball handling mistakes lines not run properly so i think that's gonna be a lot more of a difference in terms of the score all right well everyone that is it i have said everything i need to say i've angered derek four, enough. four games are the same four games are the same four i think the only the we've, we're only the only difference in us is, is the first game that houston colorado game and then the seattle san diego game so not bad where we seem to be on the same page on most things and i say most things but, definitely uh, not chocolate so Definitely not chocolate. And you know what, people? If if you disagree with me, if you think chocolate's great, please tweet at us, Brissette the Jet, and at dat underscore Murph too, and uh, LaRouge Rugby you know, for that all That actually your... gives me confidence because you'll probably think like a Gilgroni tastes great. What if it does? You're gonna feel really bad if it tastes really good. What if it has chocolate in, in it? If it has chocolate in it. If it's a hot drink, then I will drink it. If it's like a, like a like a hot chocolate with like a little bit of like irish whiskey in it sign me up that sounds delicious 
I probably wouldn't drink it in Austin, though, because it'd probably be too hot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know if, yeah, I don't know if people, uh, people in Austin are too into hot chocolates. I'm not too sure, but... Uh, you never know. If you're if you're a listener and you're from Austin, do you guys drink hot chocolates? Let us know. <laughs> but uh, thank you everyone for listening on this episode. Uh, we will be back next week after the Arrows game and after the MLR, and hopefully we will have more news about uh, tons of stuff because there's still lots of questions up in the air in terms of the broadcast for Canada for. Uh, what are the guild drawings going to look like? And uh, lots more. So thank you everyone for listening and uh, enjoy this next weekend of rugby because there's going to be a lot of it.